Hi, you're listening to Celluloid Cards Wallop with James and Gemma. Sit down and enjoy yourself, grab a snack and have some fun. Welcome to this week's Talking Codswallop. It is, in fact, another edition of Celluloid Codswallop. And I'm joined by the wonderful, the exceptional, the filthy Hedge Scout. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, that's me. <laughs> and you are well, I'm hoping, John. Yes, I am indeed, even though we've both now compared our medical history to find out that we're disasters. <laughs> Yeah, we're going to release a Patreon-only funded edition where you can listen to us discussing our various medical ailments. Yes, and for an extra $2 a month, we'll send you photographs of our scars. (laughs) That will be our big money spinner. I don't think mine, unlike my elbows and things, are going to pull in as much money as yours. You never know, you might get something with an elbow fetish. Well, that's true, actually. I didn't think of that one. Yeah, yeah. Somewhere there'll be someone who's really big dig point, you know, that gets them going, gets them uh, the motor running, is elbows. So, yeah, actually. Yep. You can have this thing, sexy elbows are standing by to take your call. Sexy elbows in your area are standing by to take your call. <laughs> so, without further ado, we're now on to episode four of the card. And it opens quite interestingly on the uh, like Romulan encampment world. I was seeing all the various people, and I just noticed that you actually see them playing the card game that the lady in the last episode had gone a bit uh, do loudly. So the interesting thing is that obviously the little Romulan people, not little, but it's a Romulan kid, all the Romans are there. And Picard beams in. He also has a second job, which is, as we discussed previously, he is in fact selling tin fruit. To uh, people, because he is the man from Del Monte. I think possibly the Romulans can't grow pineapple on that planet, and that's what <laughs> the point is. So they have to beam him down to Vashti, which is, I think it's named after the Babylonian princess who wouldn't show her face in court. So yeah, they, they can't get enough good fruit down there. So as you say, Picard is now the man from Del Monte. Or he's getting, I mean, when he takes hat off, he's got a slight Roger Moore safari suit by going on. Yeah. Definitely a Nazi on the run after the World War run through hiding yeah. out in Brazil. It is the boys from Brazil. <laughs> so, so Picard goes in to see the the warrior nuns, doesn't he? Who are also looking after a little boy, and they have something called the absolute way of candor, which is something I think you would be perfect with, Joanne, because you do not <laughs> suffer fools gladly. <laughs> no, no, I have no filter. I have absolutely no filter at all. But mine is the filthy way of candor. And as I'd said before as well, uh, the, the art of Candorel, which is excessive use of sweetener. <laughs> but no, they, they are exactly the same as me. They have they don't understand how to, um, they don't really have a public facing, <laughs> facing image, yeah. really. Yeah, they just say what they think. And uh, I would say that probably gets them into trouble. Probably they don't sexually abuse people at the same time like I do, but hey. <laughs> I mean, what I found very interesting, and it's something we, we, we're not going to lie, we discussed previously, we had a technical issue, is the fact that Picard has something in common with uh, John and I, which is he's not a great fan of children. And they pull him up on this one, don't they? Uh, or the little boy pulls him up on this one. And he's quite upset saying, you know, I thought you liked me. 
He's saying, well, I do like you, but I've also bought you like a present of a book, which in his case is, and I think this is a, 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 a lean towards the fact Picard is French. He brings a copy of The Musketeers, doesn't he, for, them to, for the little boy to read. He sat talking with them, discussing the fact that obviously his concern is that, you know, the little boy has no male role model because he's just been looked after very well by the warrior nun people. Yeah, that these warrior nuns have taken this wee boy in and raised him to be a warrior, even though he technically can't be a warrior because he's male and they're a female set. And I'm still not going to try and pronounce it, that warrior set, which, I'll, okay, I'll give it a go. Kumat Milat. Uh, apologies to any Romulans that are listening. It's not me being racist. It's just me being stupid. <laughs> we then get a, uh, I mean, it obviously ties into the fact that they've been discussing the three musketeers, but you see Picard uh, fencing or play fencing with the boy with sticks. And then you have a little nice sort of grandfatherly moment, even though Picard isn't a fan, where he, uh, the little boy leans his head on him when he's reading to him. And then, unfortunately, the, the, the point of shit gets real, doesn't it? Because, uh, with his weird little earpiece thing, Picard is made aware by Raffi that basically the synths have gone rogue and are destroying the shipyard on Mars. And Picard then gets back to his man from Del Monte look. <laughs> <laughs> he leaves his pineapples behind and hits the road. And he does his little hand thing. That's their hand job down on the planet. It's the Picard hand <laughs> job. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know whether whether you name your 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 uh, each episode, but yes, this really should be called the Picard hand job. Yes, that would be brilliant idea. But um, <laughs> as you sort of said, the sad thing is that the little boy, obviously, he's, you know, he's only male sort of role model, probably is mm-hmm. Picard, and you, you can see that he's sort of devastated because Picard's gone with sort of no. Well, he's had no other option, has he? But to basically beam one out there. Yeah. Um, when you're when you're that age and you're a kid, you think you don't believe it when adults adults say to you later on, "I had no option." Do you think you left yeah. me? Yeah, totally. Now going from that point, we've done the four. It's been that's been fourteen years prior, and I do like the fact they're doing that to give you a bit of a each episode. Uh, more, well, certainly in the last one as well, they've done the fourteen years prior to give you an idea of what's been going on. So we jump forward to see the the here and now you know, in the, the cutthroat mad world of space travel, which really looks a bit dull because you've got your Han Solo-style captain reading his book. And I'll let you uh, discuss, Joanne, I think, from here. What disrupts his wonderful, pleasurable book reading? Well, I know he's reading on existential existential doubt and, and being faced with death. And what happened, what walks in? But fecking Agnes given off, I'm bored, I've read everything that I can read, blah, 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 you've only cling on opera, and you can just see your man going, really, just fuck off, love, would you? But, uh, yeah, she knitters on at him, and he can't. he's been reading this book now for three episodes, and he doesn't really look like he's that much further in. So either he's a slow reader, or Agnes has just not left left his side. <laughs> see, I can't work out with Agnes, I was going to ask you what your thought, your take on this one. Is Agnes like being lined up to sort of be a love interest for the captain, you think? Oh my gosh, I hope not. Now there's there's a sex scene that I'd be both wanting them to. Well, he can stay naked. I'm happy enough of that. But she needs to just go beyond the Suji Sports Direct outfit and needs to wear a suit of armor because that's one I would not want to see naked. She is so <laughs> incredibly annoying. I just can't stand the character. Not personal to the actress because I know they're, they're different people in real life. But the character is just 
I keep hoping that maybe she is a Romulan spy so somebody will shoot her eventually because I'd have shot her by now. I mean, Rafi was right. She should have been able to run a security check on her. And um, if I had been Rafi, I'd have just made something up so she couldn't get on board. Because <laughs> the thing I see with her is at this point is she's sort of almost feeling like that vibe of, or not, not vibe, but that's like character who's almost like a kid. You know, like you said, I'm bored, I'm bored, I don't want to be here. It's crappy. Are we there? Anyway. Are we there? Oh, she's, she's not great at all. She is total. Are we there yet, Simpsons? And oh, I, I just I just feel sorry for for uh, the captain because he just wants a bit of peace and quiet. He has all these randomers on board. First of all, it was supposed to be Picard, and then it was Rafi as well, which he probably didn't mind. And now he's got Agnes. And as we can see later on, his crew is kind of growing. But what I love is that Picard has been given a holographic, a holodeck version of his shadow. Well, the study in his shadow um, mm-hmm. on the ship. And he's sort of, he's, um, it, all the information has been provided by his, you know, I phone, I can't get up home, help, man. And then you've got the, the holographic robot who, uh, well, not robots, but the holographic sort of help, man, sort of going through everything with the hospitality sort of droid, so to speak, which, to be honest, thinking about it, gives you a bit of a Star Wars vibe as well, doesn't it? Having like hospitality sort of droid thing around in holograms. Oh, it's another one of these emergency. It's not emergency hospitality, whatever it was. Hologram. Yeah. I'm thinking, once again, it looks like the captain. Now, the emergency yeah. hospitality dude, he does say that the captain likes to keep to himself. I think the captain mm. likes to play with himself. I think possibly that's yeah. one of the issues here. Because it always looks yeah. like the captain. Now, I feel sorry for this hologram because the captain hates him. I don't know why. We don't know what the backstory is there, but apparently he hates this hologram. Yeah. <laughs> You don't think like the captain's doing his own holograms, do you? (laughs) He has the Lucky Charms one. He has the one in the the black lab coat. And now he has this other poor sod who's probably had to set up all sorts of weird sex dungeon scenarios actually in that hologram. Or not hollow suite, so maybe it's guilty conscience on the captain's part. And if you ever, the other thing I've noticed, look, because all, they're all sat around, obviously, in the um, in the holographic study. They discuss the fact that planet that they're going to go to is basically it's gone from being somewhere that could have been all wonderful and happy to basically just being a buggered um, sort of thing where everyone's sort of basically fighting themselves and there's extreme civil war there, which I find strange. Picard wouldn't have known. I mean, I know it's out the loop, but none of these people are exactly in the loop, are they? So no, because Rafi comes in, demand, say, "I see, I've seen this flight plan. You've changed it. You've, you've put in another pit stop. We're going to Vashti." And he says, "Yes." And what I loved was she says, "You can't even take a guilt trip without taking a spaceship <laughs> or without getting the ship," and which I thought was really quite good. But yeah, she um, she knows rightly that he feels guilt for what had happened to before and um, what has happened recently as well with Dada's his daughter but at the same time it's kind of it's thrown a wee bit of a spanner into their plan to get to free cloud and as you say this planet as well there's a lot of mercenary action in in that quadrant um mm. something called the free rangers i think had set up some sort of defense system around the, around the planet but that they appear to be some sort of good peacekeeping type force but they're not doing an awful lot there because it's too much for them but um yeah it was um the, the romulan rebirth movement seems to have really taken hold on that planet and they're quite yeah. worried about it. Rafi's amazed that he doesn't know, but or Rafi's amazed that the captain didn't tell tell Picard, but at the same time, the captain doesn't know what Picard knows or doesn't know. It's not up to him. The point raised by one of our lovely listeners was the fact that Rafi calls 
Khan, JL. Oh, God. And uh, one of our listeners seems to find this unacceptable. Yes. I see that as a bit of power play from Rafi, that she's sort of like, you know, she does it to sort of say, maybe to push his buttons a little bit, and he sort of got used to it. You know, would anyone else have had the guts to call him JL? Probably not. What do you reckon to that? Yeah, I, every time she calls him that, all I can think is JML, which are the ones that advertise on TV for mops and things <laughs> and weird things that, that you, you watch at four o'clock in the morning when you're drunk and you think that's a really good idea. I need that in my life. And uh, yeah, that's all I can think of every time she says, she, she says JL. It's quite annoying for a lot of people. I've seen quite a few folks online saying, oh, come on, stop that. Nobody calls Bacard JL. It's like she's just trying too hard. <laughs> I mean, I do like the fact, speaking of the way things are, are going, that if you, I've noticed that they all seem to dress alike. So they've sort of got a, a, a look. Well, they all look like they should be going hiking. They all seem to be wearing body warmers or gilets and a, a, a black clothing. Oh, hark at you and your gilet. Yes, indeed. It is a bit uh, mountain, what's it, mountain warehouse? So we've had Sports Direct so far with the sex scenes and Mountain Warehouse now are sponsoring everything else. I think you're on the, I think you're on the money. It's all the giant sponsorship thing going on. <laughs> there should be a little thing scrolling across the top of the screen because I noticed it in something that's may contain product placement. They needed a card. <laughs> so we cut from the ship to, uh, we actually see the Borg cube uh, where uh, a little video is discussing uh, from the poor lady who'd, you know, lost her shit last time <laughs> and got a bit bonkers trying to kill the people, making reference to the destroyer. And then we, we do a very quick cutback, don't we, to the ship Picard's on. And basically they're sort of saying to them that, well, the planet has got all these different forms of, like, defences and, uh, you know, we might be able to get you onto the planet, but by the looks of it, we can't do anything because no one's responding to anything properly. So we're going to have to pay them off to try and get onto the planet. Yeah, I think Picard would be that surprised, yeah, that his name wasn't welcome. Yes, because you, you would think, wouldn't you? And I guess that's the point where Picard's probably thinking because he feels he's done all this stuff that he's going to cut the, uh, you know, his name will cut the mustard and it'll get him on there. But uh, Ravi basically says to him, they weren't impressed. And he, <laughs> you know, he looks a little surprised by this. They weren't impressed at all. Well, I suppose it's very different for them. Picard has been holed up in a chateau, eating cheese, sniffing dog farts, whatever it is he's been doing for 14 years. And uh, these people have have been literally through the war. They, yeah. I mean, they haven't had any pineapple delivery in 14 years. Oh. Only they're fucked off of them. My God, I think you're right. I never looked at it from that point. <laughs> they have no fresh fruit. <laughs> yeah, they can't make no fruit salads. Fruit. Nobody's yep. had a you know a, a strange moment with a banana in fourteen years, and no wonder they're angry. It's a, <laughs> I mean, look at it. It's not like a desert-style planet. Of course, it makes perfect sense. They're all yeah. going to be vitamin C deficient. <laughs> They've all got scurvy. <laughs> <laughs> that might explain some of the bumps on their forehead. It's actually scurvy. It's not. It's not because they're they're stubborn Northerners. They've got scurvy. <laughs> yeah, it's scurvy, all right. <laughs> My God, we're so on the money on this one. We never even knew it. Do you know CBS should really be contacting us? Never mind. Will yeah. Will Wheaton, if you're listening to this, you need us yeah. on your ready room because we can bring a unique unique direction and insight into what is really going on. Yes, we can. Oh, yes, we can. 
and they'll love us because we, we don't we're not like Americans you know we've got a different entire different accent so it'll sound brilliantly wonderful for them they will love us so well hit us up yeah, and, and they'll not understand what I'm saying half the time because, right enough, most of it will be bleeped out because I probably forget. I am the art of candor after all. Um, so, <laughs> the art of filthy candor. So, there's no mission of me toning it down a bit. Well, the problem we have is that in America, they won't like any of the swearing and foul stuff. So, I have to really tone it down. <laughs> I, have, I have to pretend them and work. In fact, even that doesn't work. <laughs> they understand yeah. what I'm like and work and are kind of used to it. It, what what will happen if we're on that show? It'll just be a constant run of uh, like high pitched bleeping noise. <laughs> yeah, anything even that, that I've seen things that have been bleeped that have been clean statements, and it makes everything yeah. just sound so much worse. It makes it sound. I mean, we would just sound like pornographic. We sound filthy most of the times, but we'd be pornographic if you beeped us. Sold. <laughs> I'm up for that. That'll do me. <laughs> Um, if you want to contact me on Hedge Scout, I get in contact with James and Gemma, and we'll see about organising this. Oh, yes. So Picard goes down to the planet. He's, I'll have to get us back on track. He goes down to the planet. He's trying to be friendly to all the people, but he's met with a frosty reception, to put it mildly. And she's this interesting point that says you know, it's a Romulans-only uh, bar, isn't it, that's on there. Which, and, which was very usefully said in English. Your sign would be in Romulan. Yeah. And then your other sign would say, go fuck yourself. Yeah. Go fuck yourself, non-Romulan. Yeah. yeah. It sure as hell wouldn't be translated, would it? Yeah. Um, if it's Romulan, it's like, this is a local Romulan, for, this is a local bar for local Romulans. I didn't say like, you know, no Romulans, no dogs, etc. No guards, no number ones. Where's this fucking dog? I'm sorry, I have to say it. It's been on my mind all day. No dog again. Yeah. Bastards. No doggy. No. So he goes to see the people of, can- of absolute candor who basically tell him, dude, you've got old, which I, I did like. He's conversing with this woman. They're discussing things. And basically they hit upon the point, don't they, that had been said, which is, we thought we'd never see you again. Uh, we didn't yeah. ever think you'd be around. Uh, which explains the, the reaction. And then, lo and behold, our uh, ninjutsu warrior appears, who is the little boy all grown up, isn't he? Um, he is, yes. Um, he's got uh, Legolas ears, and his eyebrows are amazing. They're totally on fleek. I mean, he um, he has Kardashian quality eyebrows. Not Kardashian as in Gal Dukat, Kardashian type eyebrows, but I'm thinking of the other tossers, the other Kardashians. I. Uh, Yes, the American ones. So here's the thing, actually. There's a difference between the last time Picard visited um, the head nun. He gave her a box of cheese. Now, he doesn't call it cheese. He calls it something else. But we know rightly in that box. We do. That it, it's a box of cheese. He doesn't bring any cheese this time. No cheese, no pineapples, nothing. That's no dog. He brought them nothing. No, no. Unless Romulan's at his dog. Who knows at this rate? I never thought of that one. Maybe that is. Maybe the dog has been eaten. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't even, he, just on a side note, he didn't even say cheerio to the dog in that episode where he was leaving. I couldn't do that if I if I had to leave my dog. I would just for a long period of time. Admittedly, he's dead, so it's maybe slightly easier for me. But I would have to go and say cheerio. And he, I don't think you even hear him say "look after the dog" to them. No, don't look after the dog. Don't let him hump too much furniture. Um, <laughs> not, nothing. Not, not a thing. You know, he doesn't even say, you know, make sure he doesn't go around eating birds again. Dear me. Picard, you're down a point, 
on us. Oh, he's, yeah, he's definitely down a point now. Yeah, he's a bad doggy daddy. Bad yeah. doggy. And the action then goes from being on the Romulan relocation planet to the Bowling Nightclub Cube, <laughs> where we're back with uh, what she called Soji and Narek, yeah. who are having some sort of weird relationship crisis discussing um, <laughs> various different bits of information uh, and where they can gather it from. And weirdly, and I don't know what you thought of this, but they basically like are going through areas of the cube, aren't they, to get some weird nightclub, uh, it almost looks like some weird nightclub, like lasers going and stuff, where they're going to basically just slide down a, um, I don't know how yeah. could I it just it, I don't understand this scene. Uh, I don't really understand why they stuck it in. Well, I don't. Yeah, it didn't seem to really do much. It didn't add anything to the story. No, here's the thing about that scene. They went from the bar, and he mentioned, "Let's go somewhere else." I was slightly tuned out at that point, and I'm slightly confused what was going on. And suddenly, they're taking their shoes off and they're sliding down this corridor. And I thought, well, mm-hmm. you've no mission of any slidey surfaces on that artifact. Given the fact that last time we discussed that they're all students, uh, yeah. they're having sex, they're covered in grunge and grime and cum, to be honest. Yeah. There's not going to be a clean surface on that flipping ship. I can guarantee you now, if you tried to walk across that, your feet would be sticking to the floor. You would not be sliding down that corridor. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be worse than like some skanky old cinema, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I, I reckon you could actually probably go up the, up the sides of the walls like Spider-Man. It would be that grunge. <laughs> well, I mean... This is and so then they decide to have a snow, which is fair enough. But then he starts like quizzing her on passenger records. Um, the guy picks his moments for these sort of questions weirdly, doesn't he? Because then he she accuses him of light, and they just have like a she storms off on him. You know, she says, "What do you do? I'm just planting the seed." Well, it was a seed of doubt, but I thought, "Well, look, mate, we already know you've planted the seed. Your sister's really annoyed about the fact that you're planting your seed." It's. I don't understand why that conversation wasn't happening when when they were having a drink of Romeo and ale in the scene before that. Why not just yeah. have the bar? Why go sliding down this smooth surface, which we don't believe exists, and then basically tell her she's a liar? And I think he's trying to confuse her. Possibly, yeah. He's just trying to mess with the head because you're right. It would have made more sense. They could have kept the weird sliding scene in, but they could have done the sliding scene and then gone back and had the conversation and uh, uh, snog at the table. It, mm-hmm. it was a strange one. Whether he's just trying to like, totally goose a brain or something, I don't know. But then we find out that basically, I mean, we cut from that. It does a very abrupt jump to the ship, does it, to the, uh, to the ship Picard's got, um, and back to the planet. And we get to see that not only has our man got like mad skills, the Rios kid, he also has uh, bread-making skills, by the looks of it, because he goes to sort of uh, feed Picard, who sat t- chatting to the nun. But uh, Elnor is the chap. Yeah, Elnor. It, yes, he, Elnor, it's a, yeah. It's a weird scene, yeah, because it's like Picard basically just like almost said, fuck off, doesn't he, sort yeah. of thing. He's not interested in you. Yeah. I, I have to say, I don't cook very often because I'm shit cook. Um, I would be a wee bit fucked off if I handed somebody hull right enough in furnace. I've just... What I've just said actually would be probably somebody telling me to go away with my food because you can't really eat it. <laughs> Maybe he's as crap cook as I am. But the, the, the young fella, he is really, really upset because, again, he's seen that Picard had left him last time 
and yeah, then yeah. everything that had happened. And suddenly Picard, Picard turned his back because there isn't an awful lot of interaction. It's it's like a no. It's one of those things that if you've ever done anybody wrong and then you see them again and you're really embarrassed when you see them again. Yeah. And uh, it, it reminded me that the sheer awkwardness, Picard knows that he fucked up there. Mm. It's true. There is that feeling that there's an awkwardness. But the thing that I felt was strange is he was sort of saying, wasn't he? He was sort of chatting to the... Uh, the nod sort of saying it's been really difficult. I understand he thought he was going to leave him. It was odd. He sort of like, with one hand, he pushed him away. But he was also sort of saying to her, you know, I'm really sorry that he's been in this position, but he's been absolutely so. It must be brilliant. And he's been great. And then you see him sort of showing that he's got this sort of samurai style. Well, he's got a samurai sword sort of thing. And they're discussing his wonderful fighting skills. But yeah, it's a bit of a strange way that scene's been written. Because you can see the thing is that, Picard is obviously impressed by him, but they're saying that what they're going to have to do is send him off to find his place in the you know in the galaxy sort of thing. They can't just stay on this planet hanging around with all the nuns. Is the way I see it anyway. <laughs> that sounds wrong. <laughs> I mean, in Picard's defence, he's trying to make amends, isn't he, with a young man? He's there talking to him, sort of. You know, we see them having a one-to-one conversation. He recounts the situation with Data, which is a story he must have told in the past because the lad says that obviously we know about this. Yeah, because he remembers the name Spot, which is Data's cat. And he yeah, said, I, yeah. really, I really like to see cats. Now, I, yeah. I feel sorry for Elnor again because uh, Picard goes to tell a story and I think Elnor was waiting for Picard to say, I'm really sorry. But instead, yeah. he tells Elnor a story, as you say. He probably told him about 64 million times before when he's back 14 years ago. And Elnor's probably thinking, oh, do I have to hear this again? Are you not even going to say sorry for leaving me behind? Even though your reasons were justified, probably wouldn't still seem that way to him. But it's a bit like, you know, when you get older and you repeat yourself? Well, it's a bit, It's pretty much that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know about that because I think I sometimes do that. <laughs> End up repeating stories. Oh dear God, what are we going to be like when I get really old then? Well, I'm a bit worried because I'm going to be sitting in an old people's home shouting out things about PVC and cat suits. And, 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 <laughs> and, well, I probably end up making money, to be honest. I'll just to throw my room open for people to come in and sit and listen to me. People want to, people want to come and talk to me. I'll say, oh, I remember the time my crotch ripped when I was dressed as Batwoman and I showed everyone my Batcave. <laughs> you could, what I prefer them to do is to give, this is what your future is going to be, John. I want the people in the care home to give absolutely no information and no backstory. <laughs> so, so when people walk in there, you're sort of like ranting about these things called PVC leather. <laughs> it ripped. <laughs> It'll be entertaining for them. Um, yeah. So, yes, I can understand that Picardi's probably repeating himself again. and uh, But... He's definitely, well, we talked about this before, he's definitely not the Picard that we knew in TNG. Definitely not. And I definitely, I, I really did feel that on the way he was interacting with the, with the, I keep calling him the kid, he his name, but the kid. And Because the kid asked him the question, doesn't he, did you miss me? I'm sure he asked him that, doesn't he, did you miss me? Or why did you leave me and there's obviously a problem there you know because Elnor it's Elnor isn't it Elnor just sort of wanders off in a puff because what Picard's saying is I need need your help and then we cut to now I'm interested to see what your take on this is so Picard goes to the weird Romulans only bar whips the Romulans only sign off in a real sort of like you know fuck you to them goes in and says hello in Romulan plants him 
himself. Now, this was obviously trying to go for a real sort of like, you know, American civil rights situation with the, you know, whites only idea. Uh, and yeah. Picard goes and sits somewhere that is designed for the Romulans only. Romulans are obviously not impressed by this. He asks, tries to order food, the Romulan server ignores him, the waiter. And then you see, because obviously when, when Picard first landed, these people in particular had spotted him, hadn't they? And they made communication of it. And then it, it kicks off from there. I, no way in God's green earth will I get trapped. But is he called Tequim Adver, uh, who was a general or something at some point? He was a goes senator, sort of, yep. Oh, senator, yeah. Sorry, senator goes to sort of like, a Romulan senator yeah, goes to kick off with Picard over this. And to me, this had a very interesting element to it because up to this point, I never really considered that everything had gone sort of wrong the Romulans and obviously they're feeling really and probably and understandably actually really really pissed because the Federation and Picard have come to them saying we'll do everything we can to help you and they've been left being like second class citizens haven't they because yep. like he says to him you know you gave this brilliant amazing speech you told us you would make everything better that we'd be safe and this has not happened yeah because you see the whole thing they're saying like everybody their family members everybody was saved everyone was offered this situation and Picard tries to sort of make amends for this doesn't he to try and apologize but understandably he's like seen as what the hatchet man maybe yeah he kind of fucked up because he didn't take into consideration that when he left he wasn't just turning his back on Starfleet he was actually turning his back on the Romulans now it was kind of a bit of a brief thing because he's something like seven minutes to get off the planet because you know that there's that safe time within the planetary defence system that they can beam him out. But mm-hmm. it, it's kind of ballsy often going into that Romulan-only bar. Now, he doesn't get served, but that totally reminds me of... We were out on Saturday night. It was Andy and Amber from the Great Derelict podcast and Steve Robb from uh, uh, Steve's Prop Shop, um, family and friends. And we were out, and we realised that unless you were a big-breasted young woman, you couldn't get served at the bar. So I wonder, is that maybe that was wrong with Picard? If he had had long hair and big breasts, maybe he'd got served for Romulan bone. I think if Picard had hair, it might help him. Although there seems to be a lot of bald people at this bar. <laughs> the novel, a wee short skirt and heels, it might have really helped him because certainly that bar we were in, it took, took you to um, be having your bits on display before you would get served. <laughs> well, to be fair, at least you didn't end up in this situation that Picard ends up in, where he's made to have a sword fight. <laughs> Well, yeah, this is Belfast on a Saturday night. So I reckon we had to stay in longer and in a different part of Belfast. Yeah, there would have been swordplay. Well, that's maybe it's maybe a different sort of bar, that <laughs> that sort of swordplay. <laughs> so I've gone off in a very, in a very different pattern there. <laughs> yeah, that would, have been, that would have made the whole Picard scene much more interesting. If Picard had gone into a gay Romulan bar, that would have been really good. I'd, I'd like that one. I don't know. More the card might be in the gay bar, though. Think about it. Wears tight black clothing. <laughs> it's almost like the artifact, isn't it? Really, they're allowed to have BDSM rooms in that artifact. Got to, got to have. So Picard's in the gay Romulan bar, and the artifact is really, it's really a BDSM club. <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> see again, CBS. This is the way you should really be writing this. Goddamn right. So, speaking of swordplay, then, so Picard yeah. is refusing to fight. And <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I refusing to swordplay. <laughs> okay, well, it is swordplay. 
So Picard's refusing to fight. It's not looking too hot for him. And then I keep forgetting his name. You're going to have to help me out. The young lad. The sword. Can I just say, though, that, uh, that somebody had, I mean, Picard wasn't willing to put his, ma- his hand on another man's sword. He prefers to use his own. <laughs> well, yeah, whatever he gets up between that hollow deck is between him and the hollow deck. Yeah. Oh, the emergency holodeck. Hologram. Oh, poor man. God, the poor entertainment hologram. Yeah. <laughs> the things that hologram must see. What I did like going back to the fight scene, though, is the fact that when the, um, is the, the, the light comes to save him, you see the big difference in how we would have seen Star Trek in the past to this Star Trek, where I don't know what the age rate on this is, but we see a man, we see the Romulan, former Romulan senator get beheaded because uh, the, you know, the, the lad says to him, you know, basically, do you want to live? Do you want to die? And he won't, and he says to him, I really, even the guy, you know, he even says to the former senator, Elsa Elnor, says to the senator, I really did hope you'd say you don't want to fight. And he just chops his head off. Now, it, to Picard's credit, on what, what we said earlier, Picard is saying, look, I'm really sorry for the people this it went wrong. I'm really sorry that everything failed. I let you down. The Federation let you down. Everything went, you know, basically everything went to shit. It went horribly wrong. And again, yeah, up to this point, you never thought how, much, how they must really feel betrayed. Uh, but yeah, Picard, I thought, yeah. thought that was very good. Mm-hmm. It, was a very, it was very good, but... To be, uh, the, the thing is, see, whenever um, that guy hands um, Picard the sword, I was genuinely frightened for Picard at that point because you were very aware of his frailty. That yes, at, at one at one time he could fence and that he would have been very good, but all of a sudden there's this big burly guy, dwarfing, you know, quite a frail older man, and how is he going to, how is he going to get out of this? I was quite surprised when uh, I was going to call him Elmo. That's a thing from the Muppets. <laughs> Or Sesame Street, Tickle Me Elmo. When Tickle Me Elmo comes in and takes off the head of the senator, I didn't really, th- honestly didn't expect Elnor to appear at that time. Yeah, that surprised me too when I saw that, when I watched it. But he actually, the, the, uh, in fact, I think we should call him Tickle Me Elmo. I think that's going to be the, our future name for him. So Tickle Me Elmo beheads him. And Tickle Me Elmo is about to get shot. And they actually beam them both out. And then what I would say is we did see, you know how we keep saying we never saw, re- it's not the Picard we know. The point when he's trying to tickle me Elmo, where he sort of admonishes him and says to him, this man didn't need to die, he didn't, he didn't he was really, he really is pissed with him, isn't he? That's a callback to, the, I think, the old style of the Picard we used to, where he wanted, you know, he doesn't want anyone getting killed, he doesn't want anyone getting hurt, and he makes him swear that he won't kill people, and then they do the weird hand shit again. That yes, I they do the, the hand job, they, they have a hand job, but here's the thing. Do you remember every time they used to beam up, if they met somebody, that they that they maybe beamed onto something, a ship or down onto a planet, and they had to bring someone back, and they would say, plus one to beam up? He doesn't say plus one, but Elmo, he goes up with Picard, and I'm thinking, hang on, the ship wouldn't have known what was happening at that time, because they couldn't see, because they were starting to deal with the Romulan bird of prey. They, they were being approached by another ship, so they had to... Um, keep their wits about them then. They didn't know Picard had got himself into some shit and was being rescued. So how come both of them beamed on board? I think that was just one of those somebody forgot to cross the T's and dot the O's uh, whenever they whenever they did that. And uh, it kind of took me out of the scene a wee bit because being a total nerd, it, it annoyed me that this, unless I can't think of any technology that 
thinks, yeah, that person's good. We'll bring them at the same time. <laughs> well, I'll tell you something that I, I noticed on the beaming. If you notice that in the past, it always used to be, right, you will stand still and you'd be beamed out and you would have to be still. Now, they seem to be making a habit of showing them beaming whilst moving. Flashback. Because you see Picard running, well, not running, but you see him walking away, you know, when he's in his man from Del Monte tin fruit phase, and they beam him. And yeah, normally I always thought the idea was that you'd have to stay still so the molecules don't get, you know, fizzled or wherever. But yeah, they seem to have the habit of moving uh, and being beamed now. It was interesting to see that Raffi was suitably unimpressed by the tickle me elbow, wasn't she? Because he basically says he brought us a boy with a stick sort of thing. Yeah, she's probably thinking not again. And then Elmo sort of goes in there with uh, when when Bacard asks him, "Why did you take up stored for me?" and he says, "Because you hit the criteria." And what's that? That it was a um, a hopeless cause. Oh, something like that. I can't quite remember the, how exactly they said it. And I kind of put Bacard back in his box. I think um, that was his wee dig at him to say, "You know, you're probably not going to win this one, but I'll come along and save your ass." Yeah, I'll look after you, old man. Pat, pat, pat. <laughs> Let me make you a sugary drink. Sit. I can pay you in 14 Werther's Originals and pineapples. <laughs> now, we came to, when I first saw this scene, I think we've come to my favourite part of the show because I just thought back to a conversation we'd had <laughs> fairly early on, which is we cut to the Borg cube. I've just had a flashback. <laughs> Yes, I know exactly where you're going now. So we cut to this scene that basically I think we're, we're almost in like you know softcore porn territory. And yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, but what his sister is wearing and the way she interacts with him, they have got to be. There's definitely some weird incestuous shit going on because the way she sat in that bed looking at him and sort of playing with him going like, I suppose he's anatomically correct. Yeah, there's something seriously wrong with these two. Seriously wrong. Yeah. She's clawing at him and sort of running her nails along him and waking him up and saying, oh, did you think it was her? And flirting with him and sitting around the back of him. And I was waiting for her to peg him, to be perfectly honest, at one point. <laughs> he's fully clothed. Like, so in Star Trek, that's practically a come on from what we've seen yeah. so far. Yeah, that was a bit weird, wasn't it? It's the way she sits back. You know, she's got short skirt and she's showing her legs. And the whole thing, mm. I thought, what the... I'm, I mean, I've got it playing in front of me now, but I just thought, what the fuck? I thought, Joanne and I are really on the money on this one. <laughs> really on the money. Yes, because, I mean, I, I've been, as I always do, after I watch one of the episodes, I start going online to see different bits and pieces. And I've watched a couple of things on YouTube. Nobody seems to be talking about the incest. This is Cersei and Jamie Lannister, which makes Soji Brienne of Tarth only the miniature version because of the love triangle there. And the sister's just too interested in her brother. Here's an interesting conspiracy. Nerd time. I heard this one. Is it possible that whenever Narak comes on board and he meets Soji for the first time, he says that something had happened to his brother? Now, we, we are led to believe that maybe his brother had died, the way, whatever way he says it. Is it possible... Mm. That the sister, which who's called and I say hi, Narissa, is she actually was she Narak's brother? Ooh. Mm-hmm. Ooh, yeah, that's an interesting theory. Yeah. I've just mm-hmm. seen her get walk away from that bed. So that's some damn good surgery that's gone on there, if that's the case. Yeah, she could be one of our first transgender characters actually within that. God, that's a really interesting theory. Mm-hmm. 
That's a very interesting theory. But it was, I, I mean, I was, I was incredibly, when I watched it, I thought, Jesus, this is something. But I think we really have hit the nail on the head on the fact that there's something very weird going on between those two. Yes. See, this is it. The Talking Codswallop podcast is not afraid to tackle the issues. We go in hard, we go in often, we go in balls deep. <laughs> yes, we do. I mean, the whole way she was sort of like playing around, she said, no, you know, his neck and stuff. Yeah, very pervy and creepy. So we've come out of the softcore porn territory and we've gone right into an action film, sci-fi action film, because the ship is getting, like, pummeled. Uh, and <laughs> something I found really weird is you bring in... We discussed, didn't we, how, like, the captain has got all these different variants of himself as holographic members of the crew. But for some reason, is he, like, the navigator or the weapons guy? He's like him, but with, like, really long hair. Yes, yeah, he's a weapons guy. Yeah, he's um. Oh well, the list of is the on um memory alpha as the emergency navigator hologram. Emmett, his name is now nothing personal, but that guy is off his tits on something. And <laughs> I would really, I I don't think I would trust him. And uh, it's like he's been woken up from a really bad trip, and uh, yeah. he's 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 a strange one, and he's supposed to be, <laughs> yeah. He's supposed to be helping them get out of the situation, but he just looks hungover or stoned or something. He's a total stoner. That's what it is. He's a stoner. And why does he speak Spanish? <laughs> I don't understand that at all. Yeah. Well, I can't take the piss out of a Spanish accent like I was able to with the Irish one, the Lucky Charms boy, last week. But, yes, I'm wondering how good that Spanish accent is. It's, it's another strange one. It really is. No, he seems to be quite good at his job, even though he's probably looking for his next fix or something. Here, maybe he and Rafi getting shit-faced together on a regular basis. That wouldn't surprise Ra- me, actually. Smoking the weird yes. little stuff, yeah. Yeah. God, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> We've established this show has incestuous sex, drug dealing. <laughs> yes. Sex robots. Yep. Sex robots, yes. Goths, body dysmorphia. Um... There's another thing in BDSM where people enjoy cutting parts of their bodies off. Can't remember what it's called. That uh, that would yeah. be the Borg stuff. And uh, yes, it's very different. Um, yes, da, I do think Emmett is a, is Rafi's drug dealer. That's maybe how they originally met. <laughs> that, would, that would make so much sense. Yeah. <laughs> so at this point, unbeknownst to us, so they've got the old clunker Romulan ship blasting them and then a yeah. wee little spears which has no information about it uh it's just like well the, the little navigating dude says it's a hideous ship and the captain says it's like a wonderful pilot and the ship assists them by blowing off one of the wings from the romulan ship but then takes a battery mm-hmm. i like the, the fact that like picard sort of like steps into his old post at this point doesn't he he's saying open a channel and then <laughs> says oh yeah not my place sorry (laughs) (laughs) yes and here's the thing Picard is still standing now he beamed on last at the last one of the episodes before and he beamed on with a bag of fruit and a bottle of wine remember that (laughs) that drawstring bag this time he got bored with a ninja but he's always standing and I just think he's the oldest person in the crew why is that for a man standing why have they not given a decent chair I think he was sat down for a small period wasn't he I'm sure he did have a seat for a little bit of time, but they're not 
completely nasty and cruel to him. But I do like the fact that you see him jump back into that moment of authority. And it's like, it is a proper Star Trek Picard sort of hand gesture, uh, mm-hmm. an issue of order where he's sort of saying what to do. But yeah, I do love that moment where you see Picard go, oh, yep, sorry, not my ship, not my place. Yes, that was a good one. It was a really sweet moment. He looked decently embarrassed, but the captain, he he has the decency to just brush it under the carpet, look, don't worry about it. He doesn't make anything off it because he knows that it's it's just Starfleet. You know, it's ingrained in Picard. Picard was a captain for a long, long time and an admiral, and it's just part of him. But the fact that it... Picard has acknowledged that he he overstepped the mark that time. I think I think he's good. I think they're both good with each other. Yeah, I mean, I think that was brilliant. But I love just that the hand thing with Picard. The, you know, as he always did when he was a captain, the you know, open the, the channel. But they're obviously asking permission permission to beam aboard, and Picard yeah. then straightly steps in with absolutely no, even though like the emergency hologram, whatever he says, don't do it. It's not worth it. There's no yes. argument. Picard just says, do it. And says, being the, and logically says, being the person to uh, this part, point of the ship, he gets uh, Tickle Me Elmo ready to... Uh, to tickle? tickle. <laughs> yeah, with his tickle stick. <laughs> I've just thought, actually, that Emmett guy, he's not the emergency navigator. He's the emergency drug dealer hologram. <laughs> yeah, actually, God, yeah. That's what Stone. So he probably yeah. doesn't want somebody else on board nicking a stash. Oh God, Joanne, I think you're so much so on the money. You you, you, <laughs> you didn't even know. It. But now I'm going to hand this one completely over to you because I think this means more to you than it does to me. So we get the beam in, and who is it? Oh well, it's wine bank time, folks. It's seven of nine. Yes, it's her. She was the pilot in the other ship that was assisting them. Screw you, Emmett. You nearly didn't let Seven of Nines beam on board and you were going to sacrifice her. She's got a big cut in her head, so she's obviously maybe, she maybe hit her head in the dashboard. You know, sometimes when you've had an accident. Um, I tell you now, she's very lucky that those people that phone you up saying, have you been involved in an accident that wasn't your fault? She will have an awful lot of phone calls now going her way. But anyway, it's Seven of Nine. And, uh, Picard says dramatically, seven of nine. And she says, you owe me a ship, Picard. And then promptly passes out. <laughs> it's glorious. So yes, she has been injured in, a, in an accident that wasn't her fault. And it was at work. She'd be doing those videos next, showing accident-related falls. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, that's a brilliant way of... of uh, oh, I'm gonna, she sound like a terrible pun of assimilating the... Uh, the <laughs> That episode, I thought that was a nice payoff to have her in to come in at that point, and it'll be interesting to see what she's been up to because she's clearly completely on her own uh, with nobody else with her. Now, my uh, uh, question always at the end of these episodes is, Joanne, how did you find the show? How did you find the episode? Well, I enjoyed this one a lot better than episode two and three. I thought it was yeah. an, an it was an improvement. It's closer to what number one had been. And funny, if I was talking to somebody in work, colleague in work today. And I was telling him that what we were doing about the podcast because I just liked Pimpus. And he said, what did you think of the rest of it? And he was the same. He really enjoyed episode one, but he found two and three a bit lacking. In fact, he hasn't watched episode four, so I encouraged him to do it. But I thought it was an improvement. Again, there's been some complaints online about it that it felt like a filler episode. But I think, what you mean, you had a lot in it. You had the man from Del Monte. You had Tickle Me Elmo. You had Gay Romulans. You had a bit of incest. 
And then you finished, you had a drug dealer, and then you finished with seven of nine. So, I mean, mm. there was something there for everybody. I really enjoyed it. I probably would have given it about an eight and a half. I'd have given it a nine if number one had appeared. Mm-hmm. When I first viewed it, I found it, I don't know, I, I couldn't get into it as much. I didn't feel sort of immediately drawn in. And on my first viewing, I thought to myself, well, if not much has happened, it's all been, again, like maybe like somebody had said it had been a bit of a filler because it felt like it dragged a bit. And then I thought, well, they've tagged seven and nine on the end to make it interesting. But when I rewatched it, I thought, actually, this does work well. Maybe I've just not been in the right headspace on the first episode. But it gave you an awful lot of uh, idea of where the backstory and things had come from. I mean, it was shot brilliantly. And I like I like the way it had been set up uh, and directed. But, of course, when I found out who had directed it, it made oh, yes. perfect Because it was Jonathan Frake, who's going to be who's directed episode four, and I believe he's directing episode five as well. Yes, that was great. Um, the original chair fucker himself, he did a great yeah. job, really good job. Because he shot some of Discovery as well, and they were very good episodes. And I think he's an incredibly good director. I mean, it's sad that like his last big feature film was... Uh, Thunderbirds, but again, he's only going to be as good as what he's given to direct, isn't he? You know, he can only work within the story uh, that they give him. I would have given this one, so we say out of 10, I'd probably give it about an 8, 8 out of 10. Now, interestingly, when it comes to Jonathan Frey, I'm very interested to see where Riker is going to be in the series. I have a hunch, and we'll see if this plays out, that Riker may be in the final episode. I have a hunch he'll hold off I mean, I could be totally wrong. He might be number five. But partly keeps wondering, are they going to hold off until the final episode with him where Picard is going to want to be doing more travel, more space travel? Because he seems sort of saying to, um, and if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But, you know, you see him sort of saying to Picard in the trailer, Picard's saying to him in the trailer, I'm glad you're not trying to stop me. Now, I could be wrong. Could be on his journeys to Free Cloud, but partly just had this thought in my head that could they be holding off keeping him off to the final episode to keep people viewing and surprise people you know i don't know we shall yeah, see I think, I think that's a really good point because i've seen the trailer for next week's which looks like um it looked to me more like it was something from um the last jedi when they're on canto what's his name you know the the casino the mm-hmm. casino mm-hmm. and uh some of the costumes that they were wearing and, and the setups and, it, and next week looks really good fun. Plus there was a shot off seven of nine with two rifles, with two phasers <laughs> shooting away, like very Terminator like. Uh, so I thought this looks like a really good episode, but certainly uh, Rick, the Riker and Troy doesn't, that vibe doesn't kind of fit in with what they're showing so far of, of the next episode. So you might be right. Actually, to be honest, in some ways, because I've seen that, I've seen that scene that you'd nearly I would have expected it to be at the start of the series. Mm-hmm. I was surprised you didn't see him with the, the Rikers in the first episode. And I yeah. just keep thinking it's going to be the payoff to get, to get people waiting to the end. Because clearly it's either going to be on Earth or on some sort of Earth-style planet where he goes to see them. So my money is probably on the last episode. But, hey, only time will tell. Um, Good point. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see Well set up with Riker is because I did a little bit of research and I understand that in some of the continuation novels and things, Riker actually became an admiral himself. So whether that will be treated as canon, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what the, the setup is. Yeah, he's, he's such a he was a great character. He's a great character. He's a great director. Jordi LaForge is another 
fantastic director, apparently. So yeah. it's nice to see that the guys have sort of broke out and, you know, that they're not just remembered for being actors, they're remembered for some beloved episodes of the Star Trek franchise. So I always think it's a really nice touch whenever you see them involved in anything. I keep actually forgetting that the Rikers are going to be in at some point because mm. they didn't appear at the beginning and the way it is at the moment. You can't imagine how they're going to fit in. Which is why I keep thinking it shouldn't be a, a, a tag for the final episode where, because we know there's a season two coming, we already know about that. I think it shouldn't be a push where they're going to be going, right, you know, here's your little, we're wetting your appetite for the future. And to me, to put them in writing at the end would make a lot of sense. So it's a little pat on the head and thank you to the fans, but we shall see. We shall see. That's a good one. Oh, here, do you want to hear uh, another weird theory? Go on. There's then. another weird fan theory out there, yep, that Nadge is actually going to be the next cyborg queen. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Now that would. Oh, God, that make yeah, the destroyer. Yep. yep, so she's going to be the next queen. Um, what, the th- what the fan theory is that Maddox, who wanted to take Data apart before it in one of the TNG series, because he wanted to study him. The reason why he wanted to do that was because he himself is a synth, synthetic, ah. and he wants to, but they're, they're a different sort of synthetic, so they wanted to see how data was actually put together so that they could improve their own stock. But I'm not quite sure then how Soji becomes the new cyborg queen. I'm not... I tried to wrap my head around that one. I could understand where the Maddox bit had the possibility of him being the synthetic but not why that would make Soji uh, a synthetic, or sorry, a queen, you know, mm. of the cyborgs. Why? Mm. So that, that's that's a bit of a weird theory. I'm, I can't quite wrap my head around that one, to be honest, but I kind of got excited at the thought of it, and then the more the more considered it, I just couldn't see why that would be, because Data just completely refused her that time. Yeah. He wouldn't have anything to do with her, so might it not be that it wouldn't appeal to Soji either? But yeah, well, I know this great destroyer thing like is 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 the mystery. It's the ongoing mystery throughout the series. Well, I know they've said that Alice Krieg is coming back at some point, but you get, I don't know if she's in this series. I don't know if she's in the next series. Uh, so the Borg Queen must be back in some form or another. Even if, I don't know what the setup of how they're going to use it, but they definitely said that she is filming something for the show. Wow! So, I didn't heard that one. Yeah, yeah, I heard that a bit go through various different sources. Um, but yeah, that'll be interesting. That'll be interesting. But yeah, I really am looking forward to seeing what they can do in the next episode. Then I'm hoping that Seven and Nine gets to be like a real badass and, uh, and kill whatever she needs to kill. So mm. Agnes, that's who she needs to kill. She needs to kill Agnes. It can be made to look you, like it was an accident. You really don't like Agnes, do you? I can't, I can't, I can't stand her at all. I, I can't see any point in the character. And she is a Romulan spy. By fuck, she's good. She is really yeah. good. Or she's working for Commander Roy Orbson. <laughs> maybe, maybe she's not even Agnes. Maybe she is something else altogether. Maybe just a completely different, a random Romulan. Well... You know what, Joanne, we've not been too weird on some of our, you know, too off on some of our thoughts so far. You know, we got the weird incestuous crap, so, you know, we, we might be right. Or you might be right on that. Anything that's maybe slightly filthy would generally get it right. Well, in our imaginations, anyway. <laughs> it's our fantasy. We're going to live. <laughs> well, 
on that bombshell, as they say, I think we've been talking enough Codswallop on the this episode of Celluloid uh, Codswallop. So I have been James. And I've been Joanne. And I'm glad we got to do this because we had some technical issues to start off with. You're damn right we did. <laughs> but we've done our best to beat those odds. So on that note, catch us next time. We'll be discussing the next episode of Picard. And if anybody listening uh, has any theories or any uh, things they want us to discuss as we discuss the use of the word you know, Picard being called JL, please drop us a, a line in whichever way you want to. And uh, thank you very much for listening.